Hi there. Thank you for downloading, listening to, and watching the Lean Into Artcast. This is a show where a couple of visual storytellers get together and take on various topics that tend to cross one's path when you go on this adventure of communicating with images. We think hard about this stuff, so you will too. My name is Jersey Drost. I'm a cartoonist and teaching artist, and the other host is named... Hello, I am Rob Stenzinger. I am a user experience designer. Uh, I make interactive things, and I coach and teach about that stuff as well. So we both do work where the explicit um, activity is helping other people, teaching and coaching, yeah. right? So mm -hmm. we do a thing where the, 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 the contractual agreement is that we show up to help guide somebody to achieve their best at something. In other words, we're, we're committed to this idea of service, right? <laughs> yeah, I think, I, I think that, that fits. That sounds a lot like our topic. Today. <laughs> I was trying to, t to drive there. I mean, it, it, like, like it takes like a lot of mental acrobatics to get us to that because that has been no. a sort of a theme of this series this this podcast for like a long time now this idea of like service driven design um mm -hmm. sometimes I, we contrast that with uh service versus expression or um you know this idea of like what's what is important what are you including in the definition definition of like what you make and like what makes it feel successful for you or what have you um because mm -hmm. when we talk about making um all kinds of art and uh you know sometimes the the point is just the artist's point of view like imbued within a thing and mm -hmm. that's that gets shared but pretty soon you get you all, all the, it, it's really easy to to go from you know yeah you're making a thing but you're not alone there's some way where that gets connected to the world and there's some way where you know how do people come aware of it how do you provide it to them and what's it like where they you know do you connect with them ever again that kind of thing and all of a sudden you're thinking like the the service of what you do is because you want to keep doing this thing and you probably really believe in it and um you know maybe more than just the mechanics of the art and the, the expression but maybe some like teaching right mm -hmm. so what um yeah, what, uh, what are you thinking here as far as uh, service-driven design? Well, I, yeah, service-driven. Well, I, I have an example of, some, of something, a project I'm working on right now, as a matter of fact. It's not done, but, I've, I'm, but I'm, it's underway, where the project morphed uh, because of different kinds of frictions that naturally happen when you start working within groups. And when I say frictions, I don't mean I don't want to place any value judgment on this. It's just frictions happen because different needs start coming into the mix when you start working with a group. And the solution revealed itself through service driven thinking and application of design. Um, and so I thought what we do this episode is explore the project that I'm, t I'm thinking of and then maybe unpack a little bit about um, you know, what, what, what do we mean by service-driven design using this as, as, a, as a case study? What do you think? I like it. I mean, yeah, it's, I'm, I can't wait to, um, to, yeah, to get into this. It's, um, yeah, there's, there's the, uh, yeah, we've got a couple of ways of looking at it. So it'll be the kind of like what we do. This is actually one of the, the um, 
topics that actually fits our, our, our typical primary model where we talk about things practically and on the ground. And then we talk about them from, you know, more examining in theory, right? So the difference between practice and theory. And uh, this is cool. We haven't had a topic with that exactly <laughs> for a number of weeks. Yeah, that's true. In the teaching world, this is what we would call like the activity and then the reflection on the activity. So with that, I'll hit the music so that we can get into. Ah, there we are. Okay, so the music signals that we are fully into the the topic of the episode. So, okay, let me pull up the example in question um, that, I'm, that I'm talking about because we we actually talked about this um, a while back on Lena to Art. Uh, it was actually episode 163, Rapid Iterative Collaboration with Jesse Kaufman. That was in 2016, Rob. Um, mm, time flies. Um, I know it comes up sometimes because the the Captain Seriously Pro- Seriously Project is like a, a a really good touch point. It's a it's um you know it's a project that you can talk about publicly, which is nice, right? Yeah. Um, that's that's pretty great. Um, and and you know and not like sort of out of school or whatnot. There's a way where you you I wish we all could do this way more. So that's a fun aspect. Like just a side note about this modeling and exploration. It's, it's, it is a great thing to work on projects that you can talk about because, you know, others get to learn from it too. And, you know, that's, I, I I was listening to an interview with Lisa Congdon and I, I, she said this thing that, you know, I'm still, I'm still puzzling on it, but she said this idea of transparency is has like an inherent anti-capitalism to it because it's instead of hoarding resources and leveraging them, you're openly distributing them with a sense of abundance, right? And I mm. I, I like that idea. Uh, it, it definitely like harmonizes with my ethic of like, well, we all do better if we're more transparent, um, and if if information is more free and more accessible, we all do better. And there's little to be gained by me hiding what I know from other people. Um, and I'm not, I'm not very interested in somebody thinking that I'm a wizard on any particular topic. Um, this is, this is hard one skill acquisition and I like watching other people acquire skill too anyway. And so, yes, I, I, and by the way, if you know, why not be a wizard, but why be a solo wizard jam with a bunch of wizards, all (laughs) wizarding their, their butts off at their greatest capacity. So they're all learning from one another. Actually, yeah, that's this my, this is something favorite. I talked about in my uh, Art Sound Off series this year was um, one of the benefits of teaching is when your students grow up or get more skilled, because let's say you're teaching adults who are beginners, as they get more skilled and they go on their path, they'll often come back and reciprocate by showing you some of the secrets that they've discovered in their journey, which is like a level up for you. Um, mm. And yes, yeah, so like jamming with wizards is not just fun, but it's also mutually beneficial in that like you can get better wizard powers too. So yeah, right. I guess I should say maybe not wizard, maybe magician, like the magician who hides how the trick actually happens. Like I'm not interested in that kind of dynamic um, when it comes to my work. I, I don't see sure. the utility of it, but I definitely see the utility of sharing something openly. So that's that's all to say that this project is like, so incredibly wholesome in so many ways for me. It, it just like, it's, it's so harmonious with my, my, uh, how I think about comics, how I think about teaching, how I think about art, how I think about, uh, projects that are like meant to make contact with the community in a positive way. Um, so very quickly, uh, the Captain Seriously Project is, is 
is uh, a project where I've been commissioned by uh, an advocacy group called Seriously Chelsea, which is sort of like a pro-social organization uh, that its explicit purpose is to help kids make better choices uh, in in certain communities in Southeast Michigan. Um, and they hired me, and get this, Rob, it's been almost a decade now. It was almost a decade ago that they hired me to start this series of comic books where every year I make a new comic book for a specific grade level. And this is this is another uh, like uh, wholesome aspect to it is that I actually meet with the school faculty where the books are given away. All the kids in the school district get the book for free. I get full creative control to an extent in that they are relying on my expertise as a comic book artist, but I meet with them to meet with the faculty and with seriously to talk about, okay, what kind of topics do we want these stories to explore? What kind of themes do we want to explore? And the the themes are chosen based on what that grade is experiencing in their particular community, right? So the second grade book, when I met with them, that was the first one I did almost 10 years ago. And they, they said like, we're having a real problem making kids understand the danger of germs and why hand washing is important, right? So can you do a story around that? And that's what the first book is about. It's about like this evil villain, Professor Von Snotbottom, who has a germ a germ ray and he makes one of the heroes <laughs> sick. And and the, when he gets sick, he gets cranky and he's very powerful. So a very powerful, cranky person is a difficult thing to deal with, you know? Um, and in the end, he learns to wash his hands, at, uh, you know, before and after and that kind of thing. Anyway, so it's like that. And then the, the stories progressively get more complex and mature as you get up to like, you know, middle school and the books have gone all the way up to 10th grade. They, seriously, has actually put the books on their website, which I've got up on the screen. You can actually read them. Um, oh, that's fantastic. So talk about transparency, right? It's like not only am I free to talk about this project, but like they make it available to the general public. And they, oh, here's pictures of like the assemblies where I actually go and give the books to like all the kids in the schools. Um, and then to make it even more wholesome, they hired me to lead comics workshops where these kids get together for eight weeks and they write new editions of the series with their own characters. Um, so there's what five of those now, these anthologies. And then the kids all do signings at the school during a pizza party. And then, you know, there they are all signing books together at the school. So it's, it's just such a it's such a wonderful and like holistic and wholesome project that I'm just I I I'm really wow I'm really grateful I mean, for really it. Yeah. like you've got the you've got the the sort of um, the comic aspect of it that is so inclusive and 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 also you know creative and meant to you know inspire right mm-hmm. and then it's participatory as well it's wild like what a cool project yeah getting more communities to do that kind of work uh it's it's um yeah and it, it it's i imagine it's easier to spread because we can talk about everyone can talk about it that's so awesome and yeah nothing would make me happier than if other communities did this if other community you know uh, advocacy groups follow the model and did this kind of things it's good for comics it's good for kids it reaches kids in rural areas who don't necessarily have a lot of access to arts programming um and it, it's a great signal to them. This is something that came from seriously themselves. Like this is a signal that we care about you. We care about you as people. And we want to help you however we can. And the comic book is just one piece of a larger sort of advocacy that they do where they have lots of like student driven organizations within the organization. So I'll put that aside because I can't speak to that directly. I don't have much involvement in that, but Anyway, so it's a project I believe in. It's a project that I've gotten a lot of value from. And they want me to finish off um, 
the the grade levels. I've done second through tenth, and they're like, okay, well, let's go back and do first grade now. And so that that started a discussion of like, okay, well, what are our expectations for a first grade book? What is the school's expectation and needs? Like, what are what what desires and what needs need to be filled for this thing? Um, I have my assumptions about what a first grader needs. Um, but you know, let's, let's not just work off of my assumptions. Let's work off of the, the, the observations of the people who actually make contact with the kids who are going to be getting these books. Right. And so some discussions happened and they kind of came back to me and they said, well, got some themes. I, I don't remember the full boat of themes that they gave me, but they gave me like a number of themes that I could possibly work with that were all suggested by teachers. But then they said, you know, the second grade book, I should back up. The second grade book was a coloring book. And I forget the exact reason why. It was a coloring book comic book. It's a comic book that you can color. I, I seem to think that maybe something had to do with like early budgets. I'm not sure. I don't recall. I didn't write this down. But in any case, I like the idea of making a coloring book for second graders because they had an extra level of interactivity. This is a book that was written for you that you are not just meant to read and put away. You're going to spend some time with it. You're going to color it too, right? And second graders love to color, um, generally speaking. I did. Um, so the question came up. Like, like People said... Uh, well, maybe the first grade book should be in color because a lot of the media that these kids are consuming is in full color. The comic books that they're reading are in full color. A lot of youth comics are in full color instead of black and white. Um, maybe we should do this one color. And then, then somebody, the question came up like, well, but then it, it's not going to, why they're going to be confused when they get to the second grade book and it's a coloring book. Why was the first grade book simply a story to read they don't interact with? Second grade book, coloring book. And the question came to me and they said, well, can you do a book? That's half color, half black and white. Does that work? How does that work, Jersey? And I was like, I don't know, but let me think about it. So here's, you know, I've got these two constituencies with two different needs, half say black and white, half say color. So I gave myself a couple days of breathing room and I accessed some uh, teaching materials that I have from some recent professional development that I, uh, that I went through about early childhood development. And I said, okay, well, what are sort of benchmarks of development from a teacher's perspective that kindergartners and first graders are going through. And there was a number of things that uh, I, I read about. Well, some was um, showing more responsibility and wanting adult acknowledgement for showing more responsibility. Look, I did it all by myself. Look, I helped my fellow student do it. Um, there was something about like becoming a bigger kid, like that, that whole, no, that notion of like, I'm becoming bigger. I'm noticing that there's a good kid in a lower grade than me. That was part of the development thing that, that this rubric I was reading was showing me. And then it got to this part about management of emotions, right? Like this idea that in this grade, this generally speaking, something that there's, they're wrestling with is how to understand how to manage their feelings. And then I thought, oh my gosh, this is what Mr. Rogers is always about is it's like what do you do when you're angry what do you do when you're sad what do you do with that feeling like how do you engage with it so that it's not just working on you but you're like in uh, conversation with it and you recognize it as a part of you but it's not all of you right um abstract idea for a seven seven year old six year old right but it's something that we can probably wrap our, our brains around in an image right and this is my specialty as a cartoonist um so I came back to them and I said, and I, and actually I, I put together three pitches with, from all these different like approaches of um, like different kinds of like uh, developmental thresholds. Like, okay, here's one about being a big kid. Here's one about being more responsible. And then the third one or the first one actually I put in the list because I was the most excited about this one. I said, what if we did a story where the villains have 
a feeling stealer of some sort. It's a magical evil weapon, right? And it can take your feelings away. And we'll start off by showing that there's some characters in the group who have big, big feelings and they don't know what to do with it. They, they throw tantrums, right? Um, now the villains show up and they suck all the feelings out. When they suck the feelings out, they, it sucks the color out too as a way to indicate the feelings getting sucked away. Now, I'm going to throw in, that isn't the most original idea in the world. Rainbow Bright was essentially the same idea, right? There was an episode of the Powerpuff Girls, which was essentially this idea. There was like the evil mime character who sucked the color out of the world and everybody's feelings drained with the color. And that's to say that I think that this is an image we can all instantly connect with and relate to is this idea that color corresponds very directly to emotion. We all feel it, right? Um, so the villains steal the color out of the characters halfway through the book. Now it becomes a black and white book. And then our hero, one of our heroes, turns to the reader and says, you got to help us solve this problem. Could you color in Turnbuckle Tootweiler so he looks angry, so he wants to fight? Can you color in Captain Seriously so he looks courageous and brave? Can you color Captain Yarley so she looks clever and comes up with a plan and so on? And as the kids color in the characters, like, thanks, now I got what I need. And they go and they, fa they scare off the bad guys because bad guys, or I should say villains, hate a fair fight. And they usually turn tail and run when when the odds are even. Uh, so we started out with this idea of like, okay, you're going to do this book and it's going to be about like civic engagement. It's going to be about responsibility. It's going to have a fun adventure in it. And now it turned into this really kind of rich product where it's asking the students to engage with the story and think about the ideas within the story in a very active and meaningful way, right? Um, and when we were done, we all, like, we're not done because I'm still working on it, but once, once we all agreed on that was the project, all of us looked at it and said, like, this is better than what it would have been if we just won off of our early assumptions, right? Um, this mm -hmm. idea of incorporating and accepting the, the frictions as a, uh, a means to inspire more creativity and thinking about what the reader needs in that scenario developed a better product, right? All out of the sense of uh, service. There's a lot of layers of service too in that whole story. First, what a, again, what an awesome project. The, the I mean, overall, like the foundation you're standing on, but then like this, this iteration, this, this new, um, new project in that whole, um, you know, I, I, what do you call it? It's like a, uh, it's like a whole series of projects, right? Every, every comic it's, it's another, there are, they are products for separate audiences or growing, changing different specific audiences. And like that, um, like you've got the service of creating that project product, right? The, the service of making the project happen. And, and then, the, the overall mission and whatnot too. And then to, to deliver something that included all that different perspective and need um, like I, the, my only question that I have is, as far as like how that project went, cause it seems so dang awesome. So self-evidently um, like there's a uh, mentioned in the chat by uh, sketch boy. Um, I dig that coloring activity uh, like the Peter Pan clap, if you believe in fairies to save Tinkerbell. Yeah. Um, what a, what a cool observation. Yeah. You, you yeah. created something um, really interactive and, um, and, and in such a, and in such an integrated way. Um, and the idea of service is, is just, yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll get more into that in, in the second half, but it's just so imbued in every layer of what you're describing. Cause I, you know, even that organization, 
the, you know, you got the service of the project and how you help them navigate that, but you've got this, this general mission of, um, you know, combining using, um, you know, comics to help and then, um, let's see, uh, represented by actual, you know, delivering comics to, to kids, but then also um, other learning experiences too, where, you know, the, the teaching and the workshops and what an, like, anyway, like how in the world, I know, I know. Yeah. It's... Can you, can you just like make this happen over and over? <laughs> no, that's, that's exactly right. It's like, I just, I don't, I never want this project to end. Right. I want it to go on indefinitely, and I want it to be happening everywhere because this, everything about it just like, it feels like it's hitting all of my mission buttons. Um, and, and like to, to Chris, Chris's point, uh, sketch boy, um, this idea was also based on observation that I've had with young children is that um, you, you'll notice that a lot of like television for that age group, Blue's Clues, um, Daniel Tiger, it they're addressing Mr. Rogers. They're addressing the child directly, you know, which, you know, older adults who think that they have discovered patterns and therefore are wise make fun of that like that's that that's a silly thing to do except that i've watched a first grader watch one of those shows and i remember the moment when the character turned to the kid and said like the kid watching and said like can you help us find this and i watched this little seven-year-old go uh-huh <laughs> i was like yeah they're involved they don't the it's it's okay and it's natural and i would even argue that it's good that they can't separate that they can get that involved you in the story Providing Having, that, so yeah, some kids are in on the bit and it doesn't matter, right? That so that's that's the other layer of this too. That's is right. That it still works. Yeah. Um, it because it's a moment of you know, can you feel harder right now with me in this story? And yeah. and uh, like no matter what, a kid will be like, yes, I'm there and it's real, or yes, <laughs> I'm there because this is freaking awesome. I'm yeah. in this. I'm yeah. here for it. <clears throat> Either way, it and still so, works. So like oh, this quick question yeah, though, yeah. speaking of that, it works. Um, did you, did you incorporate a test in there? Did you, did you test that out? I mean, I know you had tons of research and evidence and all that kind of stuff. This is like a thinking of a, like a UX thing. Like, so you had this hypothesis and you know, or, or maybe it wasn't needed on the project. Right. But you mean like test is in kind of like prototype and, and, and see how this kind of thing um, works. Well, functionally for this project. Sadly, no. Um, only in that the development time on this is so rapid. Like this is one where it's like we right. got to get this out by the end of the year, so we don't have time to prototype it. However, we did have applied research in that we had like seven years of delivering the second grade book to schools, and the moment we say it's a coloring book that's a comic that was made for you, there is an audible gasp that goes across the room as the kids like open the books and like, oh my gosh, this is something I get to work, you know, do something with. And I put two pages of games in the back and it's like word search, finish the drawing, mm -hmm. spot the one that's different. And the kids, you know, like vocalize very enthusiastically about that. Like there's games, you know, it's like, okay. You have, so it's, yeah. yeah. I mean, you, you, this is um, information. It's just interesting to point this out because yeah. one of the things it, the bigger opportunity, like mm -hmm. finding that service um, connection with someone with such a strong common ground and mission, it's possible and doable, but that's harder. But then yeah. the how you go about it stuff is where this can be repeated. Because I asked a question I didn't expect to have an answer, but more or less I'm looking back and, and realizing like, how can you do this 
you know, over and over all over the place. So the, the part yeah. that is more easily repeatable is like what you're describing is, is, you know, how you bring about the project and, and you did, in, you have had this long track, long track record, almost a decade of involving the audience. It's just, um, this particular thing. I'm not trying to like poke a hole in your project, right? No, it's no, I didn't, I didn't read it that thing. way. Like if this were the first iteration, a good idea would be to say, yeah. all right, we're, we feel super confident. We feel we've made some credible choices in this, this yeah. design. You know what? Let's make sure we're on the right path because we're about to commit more resources and what have you. And yeah. And, and to the credit. We've already done that. To the, the credit of to the credit of seriously, that was something we were doing with each book drop. Every time we visited the school, we would have a reflection period where we talk about what the kids reacted to, and how that would change the next one. So, like in both good and bad, right? So, like on the one hand, uh, we wound up getting students who grew up with the book who became kind of invested in it. I wouldn't say invested in it like they were like huge fans, but like they knew that this was a part of their lives for a long time, and they 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 believed in it to the extent that they got the sense that we weren't there to, to sell them a bill of goods. This wasn't us giving them a free thing to market Adidas shoes to them. This was something that was like intentionally made to help them. And so we got uh, a, a middle schooler, or rather a high schooler, I should say, who became a beta reader for us and like actually looked at my early drafts and gave me feedback to help me make, bring a more authentic voice to the grade levels wow. that I was reaching. So we had that, which was awesome. We also wound up changing the project based on reactions we got in the rooms where when we did the seventh grade book, which is very similar to the sixth grade book, but like we watched these seventh graders read this 12, uh, 12 page story and just go, okay, I'm done. And they threw it over their shoulder. And like, we literally found copies on the ground at some schools and we're like, okay, something about that wasn't connecting. What did we hear them say? Right. And that was when we had like a, you know, a, a huddle and we said like, I think the next book needs to be longer and I think it needs to be, a more intense and involved story. I think they were expecting something with more meat on it than what they got. And so that the next the next year, the eighth grade book was black and white. It was post-apocalyptic. It was gritty. It was like Hunger Games. And it was 40 pages. <laughs> and and when when Jesse and I, when Jesse was the coalition director, we would go to the schools and we we're like, yeah, every year we give you this book. And it's about, you know, your community and heroes in your community. And like even some students appear in the book uh, from time to time. So, but we decided that we just decided to blow up Chelsea. We blew up Chelsea, Michigan. Everything's destroyed now. And you hear the mood change in the room. It's like, oh, wait, now this is getting transgressive. I'm in eighth grade. <laughs> yeah. I think horror movies are suddenly way more interesting than I did when I was in third grade, you know. And so once again, we won their trust and brought them back to the book. So Gosh, wow. there, was, there was a lot so of like awesome, <laughs> like that kind of involvement and and like to 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 be working with someone who sponsors something and believes in it in such a way that that knows that for it to become it has to be discovered what it needs to become. Yeah. And that is embodying a service. Yeah. Oh, that's good. <laughs> oh, that's so awesome. Yeah, it's really it's um, yeah. Something you're describing too, there's this the the the, the evolution of the audience. Um there's a book uh, I think I think it's an interesting book. It's worth a skim or, or exploration. Uh, Everything bad is good for you. And part of the idea is the um how we can characterize. Oh, playing games is bad for you. Oh, watching TV is bad for you and what you know, having fun, you're bad, whatever. Um, and it's, it's actually, there's way more to that experience. Clearly, mm. like all of us as humans, we're not just, you know, constantly soaking in bad. It's, 
um, the, there's an effect when storytelling evolves and that's intriguing and attractive and we get more skillful as an audience and now we are craving this, this interesting new elements to keep us engaged. And in a lot of media has taught us to, um, to do that at different stages in our lives. And it, it can go, or depending on our mood, we may want something that's less taxing or more taxing and, and that kind of thing. And that book is a, does a good job of characterizing that hmm. as like, like what you noticed with the, the eighth grade audience, you know, really wanting to. Um, yeah. Or, or when the seventh graders were like, I don't know. And it's, it's that, you know, it probably would have been a great sixth grade book. Um, mm-hmm. But then at that stage. Yeah. So we're learning from the media and we're becoming more skilled and uh, yeah, practiced when we, in ways we consume it. Yeah. We expect from it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I think that uh, I'm, I'm working with some very savvy people who understand that, like even if it's, if it's intuitive, but they just understand that, well, I, I guess like there's something about being a youth advocacy group where you're really including youth and making them a part of it. It's like there's like a youth steering committee in the organization. And I think automatically baked into that uh, sort of ethos, you've inoculated yourself against the idea of, oh, you kids, you just don't like you, you. All you like is dumb stuff. What's with you in the TikToks? I don't get it, you know. And that's the kind of thing that I'm also sort of aligned to be suspicious of you know and we talked about this i think on an extra lean that that assembly i went to in high school where they were playing that van halen video right now and like right now youth is king and all the kids like yeah we're we're the future you know i'm like okay our parents thought that too <laughs> let's not get ahead of ourselves here you know we're not the most unique and only great generation of all time like there's gonna be another younger generation and we got to honor them too because the kids are almost always right so, you know, it's like I didn't have those words when I was 17 years old, but I remember feeling that in my gut. And I and I like sort of made a promise to myself, like, don't let go of that. Like, hang on to that. Don't be the old man who thinks that children are stupid. Um, so there's that, too. Like, like, listen to them. Their feedback is important. And it matters. And in this case, their feedback is important and it matters because they are the people who are going to receive the thing. And their reaction to it is super valuable information to keep this thing sustainable. So I can still keep making that sweet money on trying these books. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's part of it too. So, so the service is also a mechanism to, to engage in a su- sustainable trade. Yeah. Um, so that's uh, yeah, that is an important element because I mean, this isn't like you can't go dig a comic, a great inclusive uh, interesting comic out of a hole in your backyard and just, you know, <laughs> whatever eventually even if you could you're gonna empty the hole or or you're gonna have a problem because there'd be a giant hole in your backyard you don't have a backyard anymore this this is like a whole like side topic that we can maybe talk about in an extra lean someday is like like this is why i'm i think it's difficult for me to uh get to when people say like well find your truth and express your truth i'm like ah i don't know i'm I'm so i'm so conditioned to conditioned to i've relied so much on feedback from the people who are I'm making the thing for to help guide my ideas and help me steer it towards what they need that for me to say like, this is what you need. is like really difficult for me to get to, you know, I'm, I'm practicing it and we could talk about it in a more, you know, nuanced way in the future. But like, I think that I'm, my inclination is to go towards service first and find the expression to in the, in the service of the service. But 
finding the expression first is not, it's not as, um, I'm not as fluent in that and I'm working on it. So, yeah, I mean, same boat. I, I have all kinds of unapproachable drawings and journals and stuff that I'm like, who is this for? Right. And mm-hmm. then, because that's the thing is as soon as you turn it into a service, it's, it is for someone and, and with them as well. Just the, the distinction of, um, you know, sometimes, yeah. Anyway, it is an awesome topic. Well, let's, let's bookmark that for yeah. Yeah, continuing to talk about. Um, okay. Yeah. Well, let me, let me put it this way. Uh, anybody who's listening, if you want to go into our discord and say like, that's a topic I want to hear more about. Uh, this is what they do on YouTube. I noticed like anybody who's interested in this, give a comment in the comments feed and then we'll make an extra yeah. video about it. Like, because the people who interact with this thing that we make called Lean Into Art, your feedback matters to us. Helps us shape the thing. Uh, okay, yeah. so do you want to take a break and then come back and like unpack what that whole experience was and like sort of like hang the ideas on the events so that we can like further, like more deeply think about how this is applicable to a variety of scenarios, not just if you're a lucky SOB like me who falls into working with a company that is so perfectly aligned with his values. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, that sounds really good. Let's reflect on what happened. Okay. And, uh, try to try to find some patterns in there. Sounds good. Okay. So in about a minute and a half, we're going to do just that. First, got to thank some people who make the show possible. And I mean the folks who support us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Leonitart is... The website. What is it? It's a way for you to give us a monthly upvote. If you believe in me and Rob and what we do, you can make our show, our project more sustainable by contributing as little as a dollar a month. And I want to thank five people who have been doing exactly that. Nate Marcel. Thank you, Nate, for believing in us and what we do. You can find Nate on Twitter at Great Sea Monster. Monster. Thank you, Nate. And Brandon Dayton, longtime friend of the show. Uh, also a podcaster. You can find his podcast very easily by following him on Twitter at Brandon Dayton. And Chris Watkins. Thank you, Chris, for supporting the show on an ongoing basis. Stephen Stonebush. Thank you, Stephen. Also great to see you in the Lean Into Art Discord. And Becca Hilburn, who you can find everywhere online at Natto Soup. You could join them all at patreon.com slash Lean Into Art, where you will find all the shows we make as well as the Extra Leans, the shows we record monthly only for people who support us on Patreon. Those posts become an open mic thread where you can talk about whatever you want in a safe space with fellow leaners. It also gets you access to the Lean to Art Discord. Well, the Lean to Art Discord is open to the public, but we have three channels that are only available to people who support us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Lean to Art is the website. Thank you to everybody who supports us there. It means a lot to us. <sighs> yeah, thank you so much. It's open to the whole public, of course, or Discord, and, and a, mm-hmm. but it's not open to any wieners. So. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's true. Wieners need not apply. Okay. Well, uh, some music to get us into the next part of the episode. Ah, there we go. Now we're now we're like pumped and motivated. If if talking about service. Uh, before wasn't getting us motivated. A little bit of Dragon Ball, an injection of Dragon Ball Z will get us there. So uh, <laughs> what happened in that project? Um, you know, where do you want to start? I know it was hard not to wonder about that a bit along the way mm-hmm. because you're just, just noticing certain certain elements. Um, you know, you have the matchmaking. Like what's really tough is is that, like there's, 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 you need to have uh, some kind of, um, you know, purposeful 
examination all along the way, right? Because finding a, a really good client is a, an incredible gift. It's a, it's a good thing, but it's not magic. It's not an accident. I mean, so how did you, like, that's one of the foundational. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Know, let's, let's point to that very quickly. Elements here. Yes. How I fell in with this client, it wasn't magic and it wasn't an accident. It was years of me showing up in my community offering the service that I had to offer. So I had been doing workshops, comics workshops in Southeast Michigan for four or five years at that point. So I had been consistently showing up at libraries and schools to do workshops, making myself known in the, in the uh, community. That year, the city of Chelsea had a project where they would have an artist in residence where the Chelsea District Library and uh, the Rotary and other civic groups uh, including Seriously, which was like a brand new organization at the time, uh, had a project where they would bring in an artist to do a lot of work in their community for a whole year. So I was the artist in residence in Chelsea for, I think it was 2011. Um, and that meant a lot of things. It meant like I was going to all the schools. It meant I was bringing in other artists from the community to do more uh, comics-related events. And in any case, Seriously saw me saw what I had to offer, saw that I was a professional cartoonist and said, hey, we're launching this initiative. We're thinking a comic book might go really well with it. What do you think? So we had a meeting, right? So that's how that, that partnership began. It began with, uh, we had very parallel mutual um, missions. They saw direct evidence of how I could contribute to that mission and asked for a meeting. And then that's where it began. So I, I didn't just tr like and turn a corner and they were there. Did you? So and did you do one of those things at that meeting where I mean, did you come with like a a big thick book that was, um, you know, all kinds of cited references and examples and <laughs> and you know so much content it would take them a month to get through um, thoroughly? Or did you just threw it at them? You went boom, comics. You know that money. You know what you do? How, you how, how, what happened? You know that scene with the FBI agents in, in Raiders of the Lost Ark when Indiana Jones comes in with the giant book and he has the chalkboard with the staff of Ra and all that? No, it wasn't like that at all. I came to the room <laughs> with, <laughs> with, with uh, a, a notebook, a couple copies of my comics, uh, and I said, like, well, what are, you, what are you all thinking about here? And they started describing the ideas, and I said, ah, well, I could see how it could go this way. I started like just sort of brainstorming different iterations of what the project could look like. And, and I expressed a lot of enthusiasm about that age group. I said, this is, I love making comics for kids. I love working with kids. Uh, you have my commitment as far as that goes, but let's talk about what kind of iterations this thing could look like. And then, I, and I think it was at that first meeting where I said, like, the original idea was, let's just do a book for second graders and we'll see what happens. And I said, wouldn't it be wonderful if we could make one that happens every year? Wouldn't that be, and they're like, yeah, that would be great. We'll see how it goes, you know, and then like the next year, like you want to do a third grade book. So, um, but yeah, the, the initial meeting was more of like, just like talking about what could this thing look like and how committed are you, the artist to doing it. Right. Um, mm -hmm. but there was no, no, nobody requested a CV. Nobody wanted, a you know, letters of recommendation. I mean, there was a background check of course, because I was working with children. Yeah. But as far as like credentialing, uh, my credentialing was me showing up and doing the work that they saw. Um, that yeah, was you did. You had the self-evident resume where yeah. you've you've been doing the work. It was very observable. Then, um, I mean, so it's this is it's worth noting 
just like how can those elements fit together? Because mm -hmm. if you're trying to make a leap to, okay, close a deal, then you're probably trying to come in from like a, a maybe some public institutions putting out requests for proposals or um, uh, grant processes and stuff like that. I mean, mm -hmm. because that would be another route into this. Yeah. And um, I mean, to, to that to that idea, I did bring, like I said, copies of my books, and that was more or less to just show them the idea that I can ship a thing. Here's evidence that I finished a thing. I'm I'm not a a, a sophist, so. Well, and you demonstrated the, the what it you you basically provided a sample of what it's like to work with you in that meeting. Yeah, because you did not because what I wrote on my note is by I thought you would have I don't know I was like does did he go in with a pitch right uh, and you just went in ready to share and and also learn what they needed but you mm -hmm. didn't have a prescription a lot of folks would have showed up with a pitch but uh, you, your pitch emerged from including them first yeah that's true which, that's true. Wow. You know, that's yeah. That's yeah. Cause they said they, I do remember this. And actually I was talking about this with Chris, who's in the chat uh, when I was live streaming the other day, when I was drawing the captain seriously pages is they said, we want to make uh, a captain seriously superhero. What does that look like? And I said, well, what are like, if, if, if I, if I design this, what are going to be future iterations of the idea? Like, is it just going to be a comic book? Are you going to eventually make like, because if these are going to be delivered at assemblies, are you going to have people dressed as the characters? Because that will inform the design. Because, like, if I if I design somebody with, like, a skin-tight costume with little red underpants, that's going to be, it's going to be tricky finding the teacher who will feel comfortable in that outfit or even looks appropriate in that outfit, you know? Like, so maybe, maybe the hero should be in a jumpsuit because, like, the jumpsuit feels like it's action-oriented. It could be the color of your organization. And people could dress up as that character with off-the-rack you know, materials. You don't have to like blow your budget on making a costume. Now, I didn't know at the time that eventually they were going to make like full on mascots of the characters. So like Dame Lady Cat and Monstrark, the main villain and Dino Gator, one of the heroes are all like costumes now, uh, which is a whole nother layer of bananas. Um, you've seen them, so right? You did have like, it's really fascinating. What you had was not a prescriptive pitch, but you had sort of um, like what I'm hearing there's no way it was all, and maybe it all was invented in that room. Mm. What my hunch is, what I'm hearing is that you had um, sort of a, a curated collection of dreams and possibilities of wouldn't it be cool ifs, mm -hmm. and then found a way where they were relevant in that in that session, that that collaborative work session, discovering the this mutual discovery is is what that yeah. meeting sounds like. Good, and then yeah. You had so like with such a catalog of those things, you composed both like a tactical pitch and then open the door toward a bunch of things like you didn't just open the door to multiple grades. You you foreshadowed a pile of things <laughs> that it wasn't like you were being precious either. So let's talk about transparency. Sometimes when we have those nourished ideas that we cherish and that are like, oh, that's a solid idea. I'm yeah. sitting on it until I can get the the big check and it's not coming out until then. You go back in the whole idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah. No, like see where you were there and you were like this one and this one and this one. Um and and I think I mean so you got them to participate in this web of possibilities even if it so one one of the things they call it in design is um it's priming. 
Mm. You know, so it's a thing to be very careful about. Um, priming an audience is, uh, um, you know, in a way you could think of you're priming yourself. Like, so for me in elementary school, when I'd watch a video with friends of, about skateboarding, we were priming ourselves to go skateboarding, you know, mm-hmm. like this is the, the feelings and the ideas and the, you know, tricks we're going to try or whatever. Not that I was ever good at tricks. I, I was fast at just standing and pumping the, and going fast in a straight line. That's oh, what see, I, 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 I thought you were going to say you were fast at biffing it. <laughs> Biffed? Spectacularly. Still have a few of those scars. Um, oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> not wise. Uh, <laughs> but okay. priming. Grew up in a time, not enough padding, not enough helmets. I don't oh, know. that's it's true. It's not like they weren't invented. I just no. didn't yeah. Well, and they were, they were also not fashionable. At least like I remember the, the skate, no. my, my little brother was a skater and the, the group that he traveled with. I, I remember as a 50 year old going like, this doesn't seem very safe to me. <laughs> and, and sure enough. Yeah. Like there's nice. a bone sticking through your arm now. Way to go, Bill. Uh, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let's see. We're going with all that stuff. Priming. Um, yeah. Priming is, uh, but that's cool. Like, like you, like that's a transparent way to say this is a potential future that we could all be part of. Yeah. And I think that was a generous thing for you to do. And that's a lot of trust, which I think trust is a huge aspect of service minded delivery of, of capabilities, like without like believing in the party's present to understand a need. Um, like, doing service-minded work is, is um, there's extra work if the trust isn't present. And it's important to recognize that and, and to make, well, your work is first getting enough trust to, in order to do the rest of the work that is a, or deciding that this isn't a fit because we can't even get where we need to go if we don't trust each other. That is such a good observation. Cause yes, you're right. The reason this was as successful as it was or is, I'm still doing it. it a large part of that is, is that we all, trusted each other in that room uh, and, and continued to clearly mutual too. Yeah. Like, and that's when tr- like trust is a great fit where sometimes we do, we, we get, and you know, you should be uh, judicious about this. Right. So don't just run around and shout all your best ideas at everyone you meet. Um, but <laughs> like, um, but, but seeking out those situations and, and, and it's neat. Like, did you, did you have a recognition? You might, like, what happened in your head in that room where you were like, it's time to go to paint the future or whatever. Like, what was that? How did you recognize that in the moment that it was going well? It was going well. Well, I mean, did I know it was going well? That's an interesting question as I'm thinking back on that meeting. I mean, granted, this meeting or was instinctually, like, you may yeah. have got this, you know, this, well, your instincts may have had your back. But yeah, I, well, one was I was invited to the room by people who had seen me perform. So there was like a sort of um, an un, unvoiced sort of recognition that I was bringing value into the room. I think I, I had that going for me is that there was this un, un um, articulated sort of assumption that, OK, well, they're asking me here because they've seen that I can do and they know that I can bring value to them. So I've got a certain amount of. Uh, I don't have to win them over kind of attitude going in. Um, and when I think it was when they said, and I don't remember the exact words, but like it was, the idea was explained to me that 
we don't want this to be something that is um, left in the kid's lap without any context and without any like formal connection to what the organization's ultimate goal is. Right. We want these kids to, they said essentially something along the lines of like this, we want this to be an artifact that explains to the child that the community cares about them. And I was instantly taken back to second grade or third grade where McGruff, the crime dog came to our school and I went to a very rural school. So like having any kind of classroom visitor was like a big deal. Um, We didn't have authors come to our school. You know, we didn't have, uh, you know, assemblies where like some local celebrity showed up. It was usually like somebody from the community, you know. Um, but McGruff, the crime dog himself, the costume came into the, 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 the lunchroom and did a little presentation. We we're like, oh, my gosh, it's him. And he's like, I got comic books for everybody. I'm like, oh, my gosh, he's got comic books for everybody. This is like everything's right about this moment. There's a talking dog in a, in a, in a jacket and he's giving me comic books. How could this thing get any better? And then I opened the comic book and it was like there wasn't a story. There's just like, like sort of like a page of like, I want to go outside. Don't go outside with our reflective clothing, that kind of thing. And it, and <laughs> you know what I'm talking uh, about? It, it, yeah, it, I'm it, sorry. It, the... it totally felt like a PSA, you know, a public service announcement. And then in like the mm-hmm. last page, like it opened up, it's like it's two pages, not even like a full book. Um, and this talking dog has all warnings, no, no warmth. Yeah, yeah. It, and and I and I I have a real f- memory of feeling like what a ripoff like this th- I felt like you you primed me to do amazing things and be really excited about this and then I got the thing and it felt like it was a a, a brochure you know and and again I wouldn't have the words for it as a third grader but that's how it felt I remember really feeling like like the the, the disappointment of that moment and so when they said they essentially said the words like we don't want that to happen I was like okay thank you for saying that because here's my memory. And then I told them that story of McGruff, the crime dog, you know, and I'm like, if, if we could do something that's richer than that, like that has a story where the messaging is in the story. If you look for it, the teacher can point to it, but the characters are not turning towards the child saying, this is what the story is about. Then we've got something and they agreed. And then I felt like, okay, well now that we agree on that, we can go further and talk about all these other things. Now, did, when you talk about trust, did I give them everything I had? No, because like the design of Dame Lady Cat in the comic, she was inspired by my cat Maggie, but I didn't make her look exactly like Maggie because we hadn't ironed out what the rights were with everything yet. You know, like I hadn't signed all the contracts. I was just doing like initial character sketches. And I'm like, well, I'll make her vaguely like Maggie, but I don't want them to own the likeness of my beloved cat, you know? So I'll change her a little bit, right? So she's she evokes her, but it's not the same. Um, that that trust grew so as we were together. Uh, yeah, yeah. To point out a couple of things and yes, what you're please. describing. So instinctually, or, or and some of it explicit, just like you're just you're describing that. Sometimes you could be in a meeting where you 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 know you want to do you you live and breathe. You're going to do this in a service minded way, mm-hmm. and then. What about the bigger mission stuff? What about this client is compatible with that? The like either the mission that you ha- that you care a lot about or um, the the method of service minded design, right? So, so you found the common you're you're finding potential and common ground and recognition as you're going through this 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 uh, conversation. And not to belabor this, but this is like this is the 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 key moment. This is this is where the the project really became a possibility and right whatnot right so um 
you noticed their, their principled approach and you, you talked more about principles to get agreement. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's where you're like, Oh, wow. Like, so, so here's an example of what we don't want to do. What do we want to embody? That's what our principles are. And as far as how we, you know, like what we try to do with our service and how we go about it and you're living and breathing the, how you go about it, the method you're, you're sort of proving by how does this team interact and what kind of trust is present? Can you navigate um, criteria, constraints, come to a decision and stuff like that? Like, so you're getting healthy signals across the board as from, from what I can tell. So mm-hmm. yeah. anyway, and that's uh, um, right. And that's a little bit of a, cause we could talk about and, and like send a love note to this project, all kinds of like, there's all kinds of ways to dig into it, but like, because of this episode being about the, the service mindedness and the layers of, you know, service minded um, you know, design can be um, well, it can be many. It's like, why do you, why do you even like, what would be what would the opposite of that be is it's super transactional, right? Mm-hmm. Transa- transactional in arm's length. Hey, we need a comic. Go make that comic for us. That's now yep. your problem. My money fueled you to fix my problem. Yep. And then the, there's a lack of involvement and a lack of deeper meaning and awareness. And maybe even depending on the team and their nature, like a sort of a systemic reinforcement of the arm's length and, and that that's you, there's there's only so far you can get with those with those kinds of situations and um anyway uh, not to go negative but like that's the that's something you can run into when you're trying to engage in trade and provide your service and and like when you know like we're talking about a good example has the risk of happy path right. Yes. Where happy yeah. path is is when you you code or build something or you designed a service and you you hung out your shingle and you you're helping people discover you and become aware and someone asks you to do something that either doesn't fit or isn't what you believe in or whatever and you're like oh crap I didn't plan for this yep so yep it's good to throw those uh, not happy path ideas at. and and I've had situations yes that it, this is a good place to put this is this idea of um what happens when it doesn't when everything's not perfectly worked out and maybe you walked in with really positive signals where you have a lot of trust and then all of a sudden something is asked or an expectation is placed in front of you that you didn't uh count on and like I've had situations where they suddenly say okay this next part and this is not seriously this is a completely different part of my life but or time in my life but somebody said okay this next part we're going to have like this really adult situation happen in the book. And I was like, Oh, 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 I did not know you were going to go there. And, and because of that, I never articulated to you that I have this very, uh, strict boundary that I will not draw anything over PG 13. Um, that's my personal thing. That's my boundary. I'm not going, I don't feel a need to explain it to anybody, but that's, that's the term that I've dictated. And I did not articulate that to you. So now we have to have this uncomfortable conversation when we're already underway. You know, how can we negotiate this? Um, so, and then that becomes, you know, a potential um, friction point. And, and, and there have been moments where I show up in that service-minded uh, uh, way to blank stares. People just look at me like, what? what, are you, what are you, why are you saying all these words? Why do you need to talk so much about ideas? Let's just do a thing, you know, and then I go home 
And I go like, oh, they hired the wrong person. <laughs> I don't feel good about this at all. Because <laughs> now we have a lot of co- difficult conversations. And how much showing up do I have to do before I say, like, you know, I'm throwing good effort after bad. So, um if yeah. you think about that mutual matchmaking thing and have some kind of kind of um you know something that that helps you navigate this so that you're hiring them as much as they're hiring you mm-hmm. and that helps you you know find these things out and it's it's pretty um it is exciting and elevating when when you start to find common ground like being interviewed in in certain situations um you uh I like for, I ask a lot of questions. Right. Um, so I get a sense for like it, and I try to be, you know, professional no matter what, but like, if, a, if, if I'm discovering a situation where, uh, we don't have a lot of common ground and, you know, this isn't going to, you know, go well, I will think of things that I can do to just, you know, positively leave that as, a not going to do this opportunity. Right. And, but with, with clarity and say like, this is really cool. I don't think like I'm a fit for what you're describing. Um, I think you're looking for someone with this other approach and, you know, just positive psychology, emphasize the thing that I see that I think is where their, you know, positive path is um, and walk away. But it's something like when you find where, when other people believe in what you believe in and you're like, Oh crap, this is great. It's good to practice just questioning it a little bit Mm -hmm. and um, yeah, to try to not end up in those situations, which, which I know I, I have as well. (laughs) Like, Oh yeah. Take the thing you built and now add digital rights management. And, uh, yeah, and that, um, that there's Rob's boundary. Uh, oh no, <laughs> I'm in the oh no comic. Invented, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, anyway. yeah. And that's that's a tough scenario. And yeah, it, when those those events happened at an earlier time in my life, where I was really not ready to negotiate that as thoughtfully as I would now, because um, yeah, more recently I've I've you know done the positive psychology like polite exit. You know, okay, well, I'm not, I, I don't think I'm the right person for this. Let's see if we can find somebody who is the right for, person for this. Here's some options that I think would be good to start to strike up a conversation if you're interested. Or maybe this doesn't need to be a comic. Maybe this needs to be something else. Um, you know, but, but ex- exploring That's... options that like accept what, well, this goes to this, another part of the service driven design is like when those um, frictions were introduced where it's like, I want it to be color. I want it to be black and white. Um, my next thought was, okay, why, why, why is this important to these two parties? Let's let's ask them. What, what, why? There's got to be a reason that you feel so strongly about this. Let's hear it, right? Instead of me saying like, up, 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 artist here, shut up and listen. You know, all right, you primitive <laughs> screwheads. This is the way we're gonna do it. You know, it's like I don't enter a room with collaborators that way. I go like, well, well, why, why is it so important that it's color? Um, cause maybe there's a good reason to just make it all black and white. Well, maybe black and white, maybe there's a good reason to make this all color. Let's find out what your rationale is. So what a good point. Yeah. The, like that openness to accept, you know, wherever they're at is wherever they're at. And then if that does end up like, if you uncover a conflict and then you know, like, at least you understand the nature of the conflict and, and what makes sense for navigating it going forward. Is it, you know, is it an impasse or, uh, you know, between, you know, you and this project, or more likely it's something way not that, but the, the willingness to explore and not, you know, um, stop the, 
sharing is, uh, um, I mean, it, it, it leads, it's like you get to embody that, um, like you become a catalyst. You're, in a way, you're kind of a facilitator for this team to help them unpack their own ideas, see one another and their ideas and how they can integrate together for the given purpose. And that's where, um, you know, maybe that's, just, uh, that's if, the, if there are two buckets of this, I'm just kind of winging that is like, maybe there's the mission side of service-minded design and then the method side of service-minded design and that's embodying the method. I, I am so tempted to give you a hot foot right now, Rob, uh, you know, like in, the, in, in an emotional sense in that I'm thinking about your art sound off entries this year. And mm. I'm thinking about like the, the, I'll, I'll, I'll point to artists and then I will see if I can get you riled up because I want to, I want to talk about like my experiences, like the artist who walks the room saying, you dumb non-artists, you don't understand all of the work that I put into this, all of the complex and genius thought I put behind my work. So you don't get to talk about this because you are not educated on this the way I am. I'm coming in with my expertise and I'm telling you, you dummies who don't do art, just shut up and listen. Um, and something I, are you trying to pick a fight? I, I am trying to pick a fight with you. I mean, I know, I know that there are people in coding and design who kind of walk into a room with this, like, you just don't use that tool. What are you thinking? Putting the, you know, whatever, pick, pick a thing, say, um, uh, you know, uh, what well, you're what, on a right on a good path. Right? Yeah. I mean, just it, having a, having a designer come in a room and say, you just don't, yeah. um, is often, you're there's something on the wrong foot right and and i i get a huge reaction like um like the good old tree beard a wizard should know better <laughs> right um kind of thing and especially when you're you know very skilled and accomplished and you know yeah very published uh kind of designer that well, this... um, so what's your concern so when well, they come no. in in a so, combative non-inclusive way or well something i learned i mean and i want to i want to cop to this i'm busted on when i was at an earlier part of my career um I had this notion of, and I think I was, I, I think I was celebrating it in a positive way, but I was still doing it in an exclusionary way where it was like cartoonists are the best people. You know, it's like, well, that's celebrating a group, but you're doing it implicitly at the expense of other people. You know, um, I could say they're my favorite people, but they don't have to be the best people. But so I'm, I'm co- first, I'm copying to the fact that I think this is a human thing and I'm forgiving myself for doing that. And I will also forgive others for doing that to an extent. But something I learned is that, you know what? There is a reason that the client doesn't understand why all of the technicalities of what I do. That's why they hired me. They, they, they hired me because they don't know how to do that, and I shouldn't expect them to fully understand it. It's my job as a freelancer to bring them to me also. I have to acknowledge that I don't know everything they know. And so it's upon me. It's my responsibility to interview them to understand the full network and complexity of their concerns so I can take that as informing information into the project that I'm making with them. So when I walked in that room, I was like, okay, look, school teachers, I've been teaching for five years. I haven't been teaching the way you've been teaching. You're with these kids all day. You live with them. You know, you are very aware of what developmentally they are dealing with. I need your input on this, right? And then when they would say things to me that would confuse me about like what they wanted about the characters, I'd be like, okay, I'm hearing this. Let's talk about that idea and let's expand on it and see if we can figure out like what we're really trying to get to with these characters. And I did like, you know, 20 different character designs before we got down to the initial five that became the heroes, you know? 
And that was through back and forth and understanding and not saying like when they said like, well, I'm not, I don't think we should use this because X and whatever X was made no sense to me. Right. And like, what? Why would you say that? You know, and then I would say, OK, and, and I could walk back and go like, well, you hired me. I'm the artist. That's the way it's going to be, pal. You know, what, what do you do about it? Fire me. Go ahead. See if you get somebody else to do it for like the money that you're offering. Whatever, whatever kind of like combative argument I wanted to make. No, I went back and said like, well. Okay, you're saying this, but here's like all these other instances where I can point to evidence that suggests the opposite. I'd like to get some other feedback on this. What does everybody else think? You know, what are you really after here? Yeah, I mean, you're, you're describing. Um, I mean, you're going to, you're going to run into a lot of conflict, um, especially the more the more people involved, and and there should be lots of people involved in lots of kinds of projects. And we sometimes a lot of projects we we maybe aren't set up to succeed in, because we aren't involving enough people to have any conflict, right? Because it's, you know, that then what's, you're getting farther from service mindedness and you're getting pretty close to a trans, uh Oh, transaction. Yeah. And, um, then because you know, you're onto something where you've included a perspective that's, that trips you up and that you need to navigate somehow like I'm a silly human, like all the silly humans, I just happen to be one who's doing systemic minded design. And I get to be at peace with and remind myself how I'm always coming up short and being being aware of a problem. But the way to then um, cross the threshold of having credible perspective is including enough people to get the credible perspective and, and, um, and practicing doing that in a way that isn't just feeding my biases and all that kind of stuff. And of course, there's pet issues and concerns and things, and there's there there's cultural crap that like you can't you can't fight. And like you want me to you know piss myself off? I'll think about how the how frameworks have overtaken all kinds of things in um, in delivery of computing systems, mm. and uh, the idea that it would be like if you couldn't draw a comic except through a very templated this these are eyes. This is a head. This oh, is God. right. Um, and it's oh, kind of like that. And it's a little <laughs> bit like as far as where that comes from, whatever. I mean, I get it's the opposite of involving humans. And it's it's like why that stuff emerges. The different quirky biases of communities and different abuses of power cause that crap to happen. Sometimes also not always. Uh, somewhere in there, there's validity. There's validity in like their perspective and there's validity for the stuff that they're adapting toward. Um, where it ends up as a solution, I often think think is just not a fit, right? So if if anyone's like dogmatic about coding frameworks and um, procedures like uh, movements, like the agile movement and all this kind of stuff, there's all these kinds of problems that like how. Um, so I'm looking in the chat to be aware of if I'm triggering anybody. Um, yeah, I think so, you did. Um, anyway, the let's see. This stuff emerges like some of these these, these different kind of quirks that like hit me as sort of a hate ball that I need to work around inside of me because I'm not going to include that when I'm trying to navigate a thing that that's about other people. It's not about me and what I dislike. I can work on a project where they use the heck out of frameworks or use the heck out of a weird ass interpretation of agile that is all about just not including people. 
because I'll be the advocate. I'll find the way. I'll navigate. I'm happy to question and learn, like, why are you doing that? And all this kind of stuff. Anyway, the, the, having the capacity to understand the why and the procedure to help people get meaningful, useful things is like whatever, however you do that, that's your recipe of service-minded design. And um, I don't know where I'm like, I, I can think of things that are counter to that, that are barriers and um, like commonly doing, I don't honestly doing work in large organizations. You're going to have, Literally, like think about the function of a large organization. It's to be very optimally great at a particular thing that is, um, you know, funding their existence. And the reason that they are as big as they are is because you can say, oh, it's, there's so much waste and this and that. It's big. It, it can't be efficient. No, actually, a lot of times it's that big because that's what efficiency looks like when you make some make, when you make it only possible to do one particular thing. But the problem is, big organizations are like they get the, oh no, right? Oh no, <laughs> we need to do something slightly different than what we're doing. Oh no. And we super can't do it because we're super duper optimized to do this one thing. And, you know, so uh, anyway, uh, so, you know, people like me and that, that are doing, you know, doing the service-minded design are willing to step outside different dogmatic things and, and, and practices and say, well, how do you, how do you navigate this? How do you find a way to do the thing that hasn't been done or whatever? And, and um, you know, some orgs are compatible with that and some aren't. But yeah. anyway, that's a, I don't know. I got like 10 tangents here, Jersey. And I was <laughs> trying to like be a good citizen and jump in and get frustrated with you. And I can list the things, but like, I don't know how I can tie that back as in well, a strong, useful way. I mean, I, I, no, I, I was just, I was going for the cheap thrill of just like, like pushing your button of like, I know this is something you feel passionate about and I know it'll bring a lot of energy to the episode. And, and also it's something I believe in too, is that like, it's like, yeah, when, when I'm getting together with, with buddies over beers and like, I get on a jag about sound effect design and like, like me and Zach Giolongo have literally screamed at each other over it. You know, and, I've, and I've, I tell my students, like, th this is, like, one of the things you have to look forward to as the career is, like, th these these things that make no sense to the outside world but are so like, so meaningful to you are things you can literally scream in another person's face about. And it's all in good sport, and it's all in this name of, like, just it's, – it's a, it's a form of celebrating your love of the, the thing. In but, the right room, it's a workout, right? Yes. In, in the yes. right room, you're, you're yeah. leveling up. Yeah. Um, because you happen to be of the very specialized specific context that is addressing problems that you see because of how, how much practice and specific language and understanding your practice has led to. So you feel yep. like you're in your community, you're with someone yes. else who like cares about this super specific thing. But there's, but there's no place for that in a group where you have a, like a, an objective to collaborate on making a thing. Right. Uh, that kind of barbaric chest thumping in, it, in its playful workout sense is, like you said, it has its context and it's a it's a it's a useful thing. But like when it comes to me working with people who don't have the context and the background that I have on this thing and I'm one piece of a larger organization, it's like mm -hmm. I feel like thinking about mission and thinking about service becomes the sort of default mode for me. And, and, and Oh, my gosh. It's the difference between pure research and applied research. Like mm -hmm. you're saying, like you have these skills and capabilities that you could have some pure way of going about it. But a lot of times how you bring it to the world is through applying it. Mm -hmm. And you can't apply it if you don't understand 
the context and the people and their needs and maybe even the history and how they got there and all this stuff. So um, yeah, putting it to practical use does involve that a lot. You know, throw uh, different voices come from different perspectives and you can get the whole, um, you know, if you have a series of wildly popular um, things that are, are celebrated that maybe make you an incredibly strong potential authority, then you don't necessarily need to do that. I wonder what would happen like in that alternate universe with, with you Jersey walking in the room with having the um, you know, like some, the, some level of authority that, that is, you know, so accomplished and so beyond, not that you aren't like that. I'm not or whatever, but like, there's something weird about when groups see the ultra popular something, something, right? Yeah. Like you, you could give the same talk that Dan Pink could give and, you know, right. So, or, or, um, you know, pick anyone like, so I don't know. Yeah. Well, no, then like authority is a thing to manage and to navigate and work around and with when you're, when you're doing this kind of thing. Um, and if you happen to be the authority, I guess you get to do less of the inclusion if you want, but I couldn't see that being a thing that I would ever want to do. No. Says me right now. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, I have been thinking about this a lot in recent years and not like about like, what am I going to do when I'm like, you know, profoundly famous or anything like that. But it's more like this, this, my whole relationship with power and how I feel about it, because I'm discovering that I am, I'm really like super not interested in power outside of its ability to make people like raise people up. Like that's like the only application that is like remotely appealing about it to me um, is like, is like, Oh, do I, do I have control lever so I can distribute the power in a, in a thoughtful way and like give people access to things? Love it. That's awesome. But like, if people start coming to me as like, you know, I, I've had this happen a couple times in my life where somebody's come to me and like they clearly like I did something in my work that moved them in a way where they're nervous about talking to me. And I don't know what to do with that yet. I don't know. Like it, it's like what I really like my instinct, but my inclination is, is like put that away because that is. You, you, you just came in with like, like nitroglycerin. Don't do that, you know, but that's not fair to them because they're coming at me with something that's really meaningful to them, you know, and I don't want to say, put all your big feelings away because I don't know what to do with somebody who has big feelings and is treating me like an authority. So I'm the, the jury's still out on that for me. And I still need to like work on that because, you know, if it, if it should happen again, um, I want to, I want to meet the moment responsibly and really honor what's being shared with me. Um, but yeah, I don't know if I, if I really responded to what you were sharing in that moment. It's and that moment can come in lots of different ways. And I like how you did, how you describe that. It's, um, uh, let's see. So, uh, sketch boy one mentions, uh, once you get to a certain level, <laughs> Uh, you get to show off your unique fighting style with comrades in the creative dojo. And this is a kind of trust too, to, I guess, right. Where it's, it's sort of, um, well, you, you get a little bit trapped in that authority. And like, if you could only perform it in a way like to practice means you may mess up, right. It means that not everything is, 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 is perfect. And if you're going to go at your full potential, finding the next, 
Like, where do you go next with these ideas that a lot of people have accepted? It can get, you know, it, it may not keep resonating with that audience and stuff. So that's, mm-hmm. um, that's an interesting, um, trusting context to, to be in. Um, and I think it would be hard to, I, th- I don't know. It, it's an interesting angle to think about. I, the, it's like, where does it get difficult to apply the, the, the service minded behaviors? Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But and and I, I still think it's possible to apply at at any in any of those contexts. I hope you're right. I I really do. I I I, I want to believe that. Um, but it's like I I get really nervous about the idea of like if the reputation is such that there's like not not a short path to trust, but an instant one. Because mm-hmm. I I feel like the establishment of the trust is part of that spellcasting. And the establishment of trust requires a careful walk around each other, like two animals sort of checking each other out, you know. Um, and I don't know. I don't know. I, that, that's, that's, but see, this is me working from a limited perspective of somebody who hasn't walked into the room with instant trust, you know. Uh, even when I walked into that meet, first meeting with the, the Seriously folks, it was, let's see what we can do together. It wasn't like, well, Jersey. Just you just make your dream come true. We'll fund it because we believe in you, right? There wasn't like a blank check put in front of me, and people weren't going oh, that, when they when like, I walked by. What the heck is the only path forward except to then say, okay, so where are you at? What's your life like, and what do you need? You know what yeah. I mean? And, and and how can we start to base any kind of decisions that are relevant? Because I mean, yeah, I mean, it's the the service mindedness is a really powerful tool to even someone who has that that, that kind of voice. Um, I've uh, like I've had clients where you know you've been there long enough and you get a reputation for for solving problems and people come to you and this kind of thing, and you know some folks will show up and ask you know describe a situation and expect an answer, and I have lots of questions that lead to somewhere but they don't show you know they're not instant answers and so even that mm-hmm. is it's so then you have a different it's like well hey yay we don't have to worry about the 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 funding and um your enthusiasm for me my voice i guess but well we still have to worry about relevance to and in, in including um the rest of the picture of the reason we're doing this whole thing right so i guess i can imagine a scenario where your reputation and your authority um, sort of does the work of the research to see if you're the right fit for the thing. We know you're the right fit for the thing because you have such a body of work and you've done all this. We can point to 12 things that you've done that are directly relatable to this thing. I suppose in that scenario, then you could still do service-minded and it w- isn't just like a uh, a blind sort of like, well, you're famous, you're an authority, therefore you know what to do in the situation. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, in a way it's, it's, you're, you're being paid for a repeat performance as opposed to that, that may have some nuances, nuance differences, as opposed to um, a process of like uh, collaborative discovery and creation. Hmm. Hmm. So it's like previous proven value instead of like, well, let's figure this out. As I think and about so, this, neither, it's not wrong. I wonder if that's like something I need to like work into my own marketing materials as a teaching artist is that like, like bringing language that points to adaptability It's like, I'm a person who's ready to reshape. I'm not a person who has like out of the box things for you. Although I have them, if, if, if that gets you to talk to me, right. But like, I also want to show up ready to collaborate. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, I think that's the thing. A lot of um, uh, I like to keep an eye out for how others are are providing their services, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, if someone has some combination of a business model of of speaking and workshops and maybe writing or some other you know element or product that they provide, I I, I often will start scrolling through their website and start thinking about how are they presenting this and you know what can I learn from it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, so what you're describing may be essentially another way of presenting your service because getting specific enough is, is actually, it's important. You can't just say comics, I'm a collaborator and, you know, let's do this. It's, it's, it takes a little more specificity, which, which does mean you're doing some prescription. You're providing some like foothold or path that that is appealing to people who you want to work with. So it's interesting that you you want to use a, a bit of like what it, where is your authority? Where is your confidence? And and how you how can you say that specific in 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 a way that um, you know provides a distinction between just one big banner of I do this stuff and uh, you know how how can you characterize that? So in other words, what you're describing was a. Uh, potentially characterizing a, you know, a, uh, you know, custom, let's see, cause you have, so custom story and learning system development. Maybe that's right. <laughs> custom story learning system development versus, um, you know, story consulting and teaching or I don't know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, so, yeah, that's a good point too. Extra point, right? That's, uh, I mean, I know it's a big, it's, we're, we're going like, you know, deeper and farther than our notes convey, but it's, this is a good point of like, well, uh, to me, you have a service, service minded, um, you know, like, why are you doing what you're doing? And you want to find common ground with shared principle kind of clients, but then also um, like, how do you go about it? And then this last thing is like, well, how do you message that? So yeah. do it, keep doing it. Yep. Yep. Um, and it, this would be something where it'd probably be uh, beneficial to me to reach out to past collaborators and ask them if they could just like name, like, give me a word cloud. Give me 10 words that you think of when you think of what I bring to a room and use that as a starting point for writing that copy. Um, oh, it's a, that's a great exercise. I, I did that when I started coaching. I, I asked, uh, yeah, I have to dig out uh, that interview if that would be good food for thought. But mm. I asked, yeah, that that's actually, it's a, that's a great tool to, because sometimes it's, it's hard to find words to describe your own thing. And it, it, it's, um, it's great to reach out to people who you've worked with. Yep. And, um, yeah. Well, do you, say. Is there anything else that you wanted to address today? I know we have a lot of stuff we kind of didn't get to. <laughs> Surprise! No, yeah, it's funny. It's that's always a danger. Um, I love how concise you put. Uh, you have things in the in the notes, and um, I don't like how not concise some things I add to the notes are. Um, but it was this was a useful exploration, and that's that's the whole intent. And and yeah, there's always more. There's always more to explore. Okay. Well, yep. We'll come back to this again. I don't, I don't expect we'll ever get tired of this topic. I, I have a feeling that if you ask us two years from now about service-driven design, you're going to get the same energy you get today. 
I think this is something we both cared about for a long time and we'll probably only care about more as time goes on. So, um, but yeah. Uh, thank you for having this conversation with me. Do you want to take another break and then come back and talk about our two minute practice for this? this yeah, round? that sounds awesome. Yeah. Thank you as well, Jersey. Let's, uh, let's do that. Do okay. that thing you said. What's the, what's it? <laughs> and, uh, if anyone's curious about the, the practice, I guess you can, uh, check out uh, leanintoart.com slash two minute practice while you hear what we're uh, what we're exploring oh ad spot that's a good idea so i'll pull that up on the screen this is uh leanintoart.com slash two minute practice with the number two uh a little thing we do every two weeks two weeks two minutes and introducing more practice into our lives we'll talk about that in just a moment but first, got to thank some other people who make the show possible. And those people are us. We make the show possible. We make lots of things that we work really hard on. And we bring that thinking to this project called Lean Into Art. And the thing that I make that I hope you will check out that's free um, is the 4 Million Years Later podcast. It's not free, I should say. Because it, it, it is asking for that, um, uh, what is it called? Unreplenishable resource, your time. But I think it'll be time well spent if you're into story analysis. Because this is... Um, uh, a show where me and a good buddy sit down and analyze an episode of the Generation 1 Transformers cartoon series in story order. And this week's episode is one that I did not like. So you get to hear me like really break apart uh, uh, and, and, and seriously critique an episode. I, most of the time I find something to like about every episode. And I'll say like, oh, I wish it could have been this. I wish it could have been that. But I understand why it couldn't be. This is one where I'm like, they clearly wanted to do this. And I don't think it landed. Also, content warning on this episode 48, Crimzeek. Um, if you are uncomfortable with very um, old-fashioned portrayals of people who don't live in America, um, watch out. This one's got a lot of difficult things to get through. Um, and also, just like it's almost like they wrote an episode where, what if Optimus Prime took up drinking? And I just get so angry when I watch it. Um, even though it's one of the most memorable episodes because it's this cute little electric character named Krem Zeke. But you can find it at 4millionyearslater.com. Very briefly, I will point to the first 4 Million Years Later t-shirt is now available. Um, <gasps> yep. So in uh, an episode called The Decepticon Raider in King Arthur's Court, my uh, co-host Hoover made the observation that Ravage, the Decepticon cassette, will often save his fellow cassettes before he helps out other Decepticons. And on multiple occasions, like a, one of the Jets has asked for his assistance and he helps the other cassettes instead. And so Hoover coined this term, cassettes before Jets. And we made a t-shirt out of it, which you can find on our Public page, which is also linked on the 4 Million Years Later website. Uh, you can get it right now. As, at the time of this recording, there's 10 hours left in the Public sale and you can get it for $13 instead of 20 So... 4millionyearslater.com, and there's a link to the T Public store. So, Rob, are you ready to talk about what you got? <laughs> yeah, I am. <laughs> okay, so I offer a variety of products and services. If you go to my website, robstenzinger.com, you can click on the store link, or you can go right to robstenzinger.com slash store.html. And I'm just going to point out a few things you can reach out to me about. Uh, I do um, a variety of like creative coaching. You can like navigating what is your next product or project, career path type stuff. Or um, if you're starting up in, you know, doing user-centered design and you know, really want to have some sort of, you know, guidance or, you know, helpful coaching along the way. 
I'm here to help you start your UX system. I also have a, a thing I do called the product practice lab, where it's just all about getting that experience, doing the, the whole cycle of creating products and practicing, getting, leveling up with that. Um, and then I do workshops. One I will mention, and uh, just because it and all the others are still on sale on my, uh, on my Gumroad store. And I think, well, I'll run that sale at least through the holiday season because you know what? It's a great last minute gift kind of thing. Um, you could just download this, put it on a thumb drive or what have you, and super useful, um, like a great gift. Pretty small gift too. You can, you know, pack it in a, um, put in someone's stocking or whatnot. Anyway, drawing user journey maps. This is, um, this is a really good workshop that, I mean, in a way, we talked a lot about service-minded design um, and, and, and service-minded delivery of, of you know, like how you work as your, your, your sort of mission and method and stuff to you know, bring useful things about for the communities you serve. Well, drawing user journey maps embodies a lot of that. It's, it's a really holistic collaborative way to include voices and perspectives outside of your own. Even if you're like, an in, like you're someone planning like some kind of you know, complicated event and it's like a personal event, uh, you're doing a big virtual meetup for a, a thing, online game, or a uh, like just a, a gathering of friends virtually right now. Um, well, this will help you think about the journey of what's it like before and during and after and, and uh, from different perspectives that uh, you can, you, you know, you can figure out with the um, uh, that are outside, like you're really used to creating, you're really used to the, the uh, art process, or you're a coder, you're really used to the coding process. Well, what if you include the business? What if you include design? Or if you're coming from design, all of this stuff is about including and creating a timeline and doing that in just do this way that helps you see what's what are important things to focus on next for that given project? What are some weaknesses? You can look at the strengths too, but oh, you know, I'm thinking about where do you want to go next with it? And that's the drawing user journey maps workshop for designing user experiences, gathering ideas and collaborating. So you can check that out at my store, robstenzinger.com slash store.html, couple of links, go to my Gumroad to buy that. And if you go to my Gumroad, be sure to use that offer code I was hinting at, Rob said 80, and you will get an unprecedented and not going to be repeated for a long time, maybe ever, discount of 80% off that price. And it really is super affordable, a great gift to check out. If you're a member of Skillshare, rock on. Just go go to the Skillshare um, class and um, you, should, uh, you should be able to search for my name, um, and uh, I'm just noticing my ad spot uh, view isn't changing with my, anyway. Oh, oh, little, little technical difficulty. No big deal. Um, but all my words apply. And um, <laughs> anyway, yeah, go check out drawing user journey maps as a, a workshop on Skillshare or at my Gumroad store. But if you go to Gumroad, use that offer code. Rob said 80. All right. Okay. There's drawing user journey maps. I, I have noticed, Rob, that the NDI uh, gets frozen sometimes when you're broadcasting between machines. It's happened to me a couple times with my live streams. Uh, I, I'm not sure yeah. what, the, what, the, what the idea is there um, or what's, what's yep. behind that. It froze up for me. Hmm. Okay. Right. Well, the last thing we hope you'll check out is the Lean Into Art Discord. And yes, we have a forum now. It's a place where you can have time-shifted conversations with fellow leaners where you're, uh, you know, right now there's people who have shown up to the live stream and are 
uh, contributing to the conversation with thoughtful comments, but that comment thread is chained to this video. You can have ones that are not chained to any video, but free-form conversations with fellow leaners in the Leanator Discord. The invite link are in the show notes for this episode and every episode. Um, and like we talked about earlier, there's a special, uh, there's three channels that are for people who support us on Patreon, but there's three public channels where you can share some work in progress, share some of the different challenges you've been taking on and, um, comment on past episodes and suggest future episodes. So thanks to everybody who's been meeting us there. Uh, it's been great to get to know you and interact with you on an ongoing basis. Had a lovely conversation with Rachel Ross recently about, uh, story generation in there. And it was, it was really fun. So, uh, okay. We had... Two-minute practice time, Rob? Two-minute practice time. How, how's it going, Jersey? Uh, it is okay. This practice connected me with, and I anticipated this, and I was not disappointed. It connected me with some very, um, I would say, some darkness uh, unexpectedly. Well, I mean, expectedly and unexpectedly. Hello, darkness, my Hello. old friend. Yeah. Two-minute practicing again. Yeah. So what was the practice this time that connected me with darkness, Rob? <laughs> Oddly enough, <laughs> it was um, it was all about coming up with encouraging um, things. Um, and it could have been just like, like how you characterize it was like passionate words when you look at the bigness of the world and situations, the universe, anything that comes out as a brainstorm of this kind of insight and encouragement of, of, of like something you would look at that somehow feeds you with like, Oh yeah, I, 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 I believe a little harder. I'm going to, I don't know. I get more excited, try, pick myself up, keep yeah. going. Yeah. What happened? Like the dark, that, that doesn't sound like keep going to me. It is. And it isn't. Uh, well, I mean, okay. okay for me it is, but I, I understand how if somebody, and I'm, 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 nervous about even sharing them on screen because I know if somebody found these notes, they'd be like, are you okay? You know, like it, it feels like a little bit like I've got a little bit of a goth uh, journal going on in front of me. Um, I, I'd, I'd like to start with yours. Um, okay. And then maybe we can talk about mine. All right. Um, let's see. Yeah. There's a bit of vulnerability modeling going on here for sure. <laughs> All right. So I did mine on my whiteboard and I did my normal thing where I, I, I now have that uh, Siri action where if I do the, you know, hey, Siri, two minute practice, all of a sudden my my um, my spoken facilitation timer kicks in and, you know, it's really convenient. Um, but here I go. Yeah, I don't know. I think I had some similar feelings as you, Jersey, with with. Um, encouragement is a is is i mean it's it, it's really good it, it's like the you're walking along and just you you encounter um you know well-met positive feeling and and it's like someone's like hey i believe in you or hey i i, I and whatever that is a lot of times i'll see folks on twitter that um there's a few folks i follow that once in a while will for whatever reason in their day say hey um i'm gonna do pep talks send me a tweet and I'll give you a pep talk kind of thing. And and mm. that's kind of how I tried to do this for myself, but it just sort of came out however it came out. And it certainly isn't like practiced where it's like, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm ready to go. I wouldn't, I don't think I'd be tweeting a ton of this stuff, but well, let's see. So I first wrote the, you know, okay. Two minute practice, encouragement, brainstorm. 
um, and I'm like, what am I about to write? So I wrote down why am I, why are, why stuck might be a reason to be encouraged. Um, you're, you're, you're encountering friction or big feelings. Um, it could be internal or external stuckness. Somehow that's the implication of, of needing encouragement for me. And so then I, I was like, I know you got this, uh, let your natural self be, and you are enough. Um, the spirit and passion in you will take you far. It's, it, it's okay to be stuck. Keep moving. Uh, remember your intention, let it stoke into a fire in your heart. <laughs> uh, I should have my guitar on right now. Um, <laughs> It's like you're writing a Stan Bush song right in front of me. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm starting to feel that a little bit. But um, then I was like, well, Jersey was like, oh, this is my next one. Um, I'm not going to, I don't have to share all these in like nitty gritty detail. I'm literally just randomly picking the you know, stuff in the, I'm just picking it and sharing. So, okay. Um, can I, can I do a better universe observation? Look at the bigness, whatever. So I, I this is what I wrote uh, for that, starting that two-minute practice. You're a speck of infinite, amazing possibility in this big universe. Mm. You are valid and reasonable to feel as you do. Um, keep going gently and new possibilities will emerge. Um, up for a challenge? <laughs> oh my God, what did I write? What if you looked at this roadblock as a challenge? <laughs> <laughs> that sucks. That's fun. That's well, there we go. No, I can't read my own writing. Up for a challenge. What if you looked at this roadblock as changeable? Okay. Mm. That's not as bad as my first reading. <clears throat> uh, I'll go do a couple more. I love your voice and choices. It's in you. Be you. Uh, here I come, Instagram. Um <laughs> Reach for insight. Questions lead to somewhere worthwhile. Um, this literally, like, so this was this was a session. This was a session. This was a session, and then this last one was a session. So I did, uh, I did like what four or five sessions. Um, it is. It's okay for it to be tough, and feel stuck. Notice this. Um, so I'm I looking know at you have it in you. I'm looking at your yeah. sessions and I'm seeing like there's between four and five that you wrote yeah. per session. Okay, so that's roughly thirty seconds per sentence. I'm look the sentences are not short. Probably took about yeah. about so it seems like you're like if I were to guess, you were like going through these pretty rapidly. You were like really <sighs> truly brainstorming and not like, I was letting it fly out of me yeah. as fast as I could. Okay. And doubting myself every single second. <laughs> So I, I think like the difference between us, I did, I did fewer. I did, uh, I think I did like three sessions and, but I had fewer, uh, pieces of output as a result. And I think my inner critic was more, had more, um, authority in the room when I was doing mine. Um, so, and, and I think what I was trying to, I think my inner critic was, um, trying to drive me away from blanket, uh, I don't want to call it blanket statements that fall in lines of, I believe in you, you matter, you're valid. And even though um, I feel like that's something I could use to hear more 
from myself <laughs> in my life. I think what I went to, and this is when I was talking about the, like the darkness, is that I think I went to a lot of statements uh, involving, like I, I walked into it thinking, when do we need encouragement? We need encouragement when we're stuck. We need encouragement when we feel lost. We need encouragement when we feel fear. And I asked myself, yeah, you got some on there to that extent. Which one did you point to just now? Oh, no. I mean, it's, I, I was like, how wild did that hit you? Like, as you were about to start this practice, we're like, wait a minute, why do I need to do encouragement? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that basically I did the same thing, similar ish, not exactly what you described, but, um, but like the idea of, um, like encouragement doesn't seem natural. Like when does encouragement seem natural? That's one way to ask that where it's like, if I'm, um, just doing a thing that it, that isn't requiring me to, to reach down or address negative feelings in any way, it would feel a little weird to be yep. encouraged. Yep. You know, yep. Like, um, way to click that website button. Woo. You know, no, I'm good. But like, maybe, um, yeah. In the right context, that could have been, that could be good. Right. Where it's well, like, oh, I'm clicking the website button for the, um, a grant application that is this thing I've been looking forward to and means so much to me, whatever, you know, so I could imagine a context of that working out, but. I, I, I think that's right. And I think that that's probably where you and I have like an, uh, a reflex to operate. But then I think about friends in my life who I have friends who are like really active in expressing gratitude. Like they make it a practice to express gratitude on a regular basis. And they, when you're in their presence, they're going to let you know how grateful they are for you for whatever you did. And it's not false. It's not phony. It's not an affect. They're doing it as a way to connect themselves with the emotion of gratitude to have a richer experience of living. But it can come across to somebody who maybe is less in contact with that emotion as, yeah, why did you thank me for showing up? You know, I showed up. That's what you do. Right. Like I remember, especially in my younger days, um, I worked at a company where I was there for like, I don't know, a few months and I was a graphic designer and they made me employee of the month. And I'm like, and they're they're thanking me profusely for all this work that I did. I'm like, look, I just did my job. Like you don't get a trophy for doing your job, do you? You know, like, and that's me like sloughing off this idea of like, come on. It's like, I, I don't know what to do with that kind of encouragement, you know? Can't you see? I've got a I've got an orange cone with a sign on it says, you know, um, <laughs> danger Taoist in this cubicle. Right, right. Uh, yeah, they, they, not only Taoist, but maybe some baggage regarding a sense of self worth going on there too. <laughs> maybe one turned yeah. to Taoism because it, it sounded like it was very harmonious with this idea of like you do not celebrate yourself, buddy. Okay, I won't. <laughs> You know, so, <laughs> so you're like, hey, you know what? Sounds like a good idea. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so, um, yeah. So anyway, I, I, I don't like. I want to address your like that little joke you made about like, oh, here Instagram, here I come. Like, cause like I get it. Like that kind of stuff can feel. And we talked about this in, uh, in in some recent episodes. It can feel very trite to package up a statement of you know, um, oh, I don't know, you know, you are loved. Uh, live, laugh, love, that kind of thing. Uh, mm-hmm. But if you if you are careful to contextualize it with the complexity that that points to, then it's not trite anymore. It's only trite if you just say it and don't really 
like point to any kind of like careful implementation of that idea in your life, right? Like like my friends who practice gratitude, they could just have a, like a banner in their house that says gratitude. But when I go to that house, I see that that banner. I'm like, yeah, I know what that word means to you. It trickles all the way down to every part of your life. You're very careful. And so like when your kid does something that you want to reinforce as a positive behavior, you're like, thank you. I really love the way you did that. Thank you for doing it that way. You know, like that's not trite. That's active. That's like, that's, that's like guiding things in your life, you know? So I don't know, mm. I, but I get it. I get it. Cause like, it's also, I feel like this is, um, how do I put this? This is a very like a tool that's like used in public speaking that falls along the lines of evangelical talk too, right? And 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 I could see why that would make us feel a little bit like uncomfortable because that kind of persuasive technique can like really quickly run along the lines of like um propaganda, you know. Um hmm. sure. I'm going to I'm going to say sure. this with, with, like using methods of persuasion. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so it's it's not as simple as that. Like, it has a power. It's worth acknowledging that power, and then it's worth asking ourselves, how do we implement that, That you know? And, you know, getting comments in the chat, uh, Chris is saying, you know, some statements lose their meaning when overused or overheard, certainly. Like, if anybody's ever said, the, you know, the word, like, uh, potato or sink or tabletop over and over and over again, and suddenly, like, it starts to, like, you start to like question the spelling of the word or the word itself starts to look bizarre to you because like just saying the word like statements can have that same kind of effect. Anyway, it's a little bit of a tangent, but I just want to address this idea. Like I, I like what you did because I feel like this is something that it's easy for certain artists pointing here at me to look past those statements as not having much utility when what they're pointing to they're, they're open. They're inviting me to think a little harder in that direction. Like, you are a speck of possibility in an infinite universe, addressing the fact that you are tiny and insignificant, but also saying, but that's potential. And that's potential that cascades across generations if if you do your job, you know? Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, but so to mine, and, and I, I when I say darkness, what, I'm, what, I, what I found is that I kind of got obsessed, obsessed. I became very interested in the idea of that emotional space of feeling stuck or alone or afraid and really thinking about like the mysterious nature of those moments. Those, those moments usually precede a transformation of some sort, not huge transformation. I'm not exiting Monstro with Geppetto in the boat, you know, I'm, but like, we're always a little bit different after we do a thing, you know? Uh, and, and so I've recently become very enamored of this language, and maybe this comes from that podcast, this Jungian life that I've been listening to, of like the darkness pointing toward potential transformation, right? Yeah, you're scared. You're in the dark. You know what happens in the dark? You encounter the, the other forces of yourself that are asking you to change. And so, yes, it is scary, but think about what that scariness, what, what that scariness is pointing to. It's pointing towards what, forces are inside you that are really like asking you to grow and be more right so there's a lot of language like that like you know the the fear points to potential uh what the what the dark wants me to be <laughs> you know things like that uh it, it, like if you can if you caught this you know without actually That's beautiful keep going no <laughs> stop the disclaimer train stop well, it. I, well i'm just saying like if, if you found this in my notebook it didn't have that context you'd be like what are you what are you trying to do right right write a cure album what? Um, what the darkness? Oh, what the I, darkness wants me to be? You, you know, is that a bad thing? I guess right? not. I guess not. Um, 
you know, and I, I had some, I had some like more generally speaking, like, like pointing to the verbs of what I do, you know, supporting, lifting up, letting them know, know that they're seen, you know, things like that, that like pointing to, that's what you're doing all the time. Don't forget that. But, um, the gentle guide is not the gentle guide, you know? Um, and this idea of when you're ready for the change, it's gentle, but when you're not ready for the change, it's terrible, you know? Uh, and reminding myself that like that, that change is something that I should, I should walk into that darkness and embrace it because that darkness is me and to like ignore it or to push it away. I mean, I was just listening to the latest, this young in life and they're talking about how the Titans in Greek mythology are like the, um, unexamined sort of animalistic impulses in us and Zeus and the, and the Olympians are the ordering forces of the ego. And that there's a constant clash between those two forces. Right. But they both matter. They're both part of Greek mythology. You know, he, do, he doesn't just wipe out the Titans and everything's great. You know, you can't, they're, they're mountains for crying out loud, you know? Um, let's see. Yeah. The, the, the wood, the woods lost as part of the growth. Um, in the shadow, the forest adventurous, things like that. So, yeah. So it's a lot of like that kind of thinking about like being, being in the dark and acknowledging Can you repeat that last one. What the forest adventurous? Oh, the shadow. Oh, the shadow. Well, yeah. Yeah. The Jungian idea of the shadow, right? Uh-huh. So the shadow is the so, part of, yeah, go ahead. You know what the shadow what is. What is it again? No. What, what do you mean? Uh, no, I don't. <laughs> the shadow is the what? The shadow is, it's the, the part of you that you won't look at. It, I thought you were reading a, a, one of no. the um, encouragements you wrote down. Oh, oh, I just wrote the shadow and let's see what went with that. Hold on, I got all, all it's all on sticky notes. Oh. Because um, that's that's my preferred uh, method of doing these. Uh, well, I put the path, the forest adventurous, and the shadow, right? Um, and that goes like, I'm also enamored of the Arthurian myth of like, they don't, they don't go where there's a path. Like that it's, there's something, uh, unheroic about going where there's a path because where there's a path, somebody else made that path. You got to find your path. You go where, where it's darkest and where there is no path or way. And in that, in that path is usually the questing beast or some kind of shadow creature. And that shadow creature is something that's, that's an unexamined part of you that's asking you to change. And you got to contend with that. And that fear you're feeling is natural and it's right. And you're going to, you will be terrified when you contend with it, but you're going to be so glad you did it. Um, that was the kind of encouragement I kept going to when I was writing these words. So, but again, I know that um, without that context, it would be, it'd be, it doesn't read like your traditional self-help book. Um, and Good. No, there. I think you delivered on your your. You hinted at a, a, a sort of poetry when you wrote. You 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 somehow knew that the, that this is an exercise to state big things in it um, in an impressionistic way. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and I'm just think yeah should do a little more pausing when you're reading them because they're pretty they're, they're interesting poetry <laughs> well yeah like the one that you responded to right away was uh uh letting oh no that was letting them know the scene what was that first one that you got excited about oh what the dark what the dark wants me to be right 
and that that mysterious voice in the darkness. And when I, I don't mean darkness is in like d- dark emotions. I mean darkness is in mystery. Darkness is unseen. Darkness is unexamined. It's unformed. It's the chaos that brings forth order. Uh, in all the creation myths, there's like this chaotic force, and the chaotic force is the verb, and the order is the noun, right? <clears throat> so I don't think of the darkness as something like Darth Vader. I think of the darkness as this mysteriousness, this thing that I don't have full contact with but is part of me. Um, and it, and it's doing just as much work. It's where our dreams do their thing, right? It's like this. So anyway, that's where my encouragements all went is that stuff. Um, I guess I feel like a little bit insecure, not insecure. I feel vulnerable sharing it because this is the kind of stuff that when I'm in mixed company and I get into these jags, if I'm not around the right people, people get weirded out. You know, like I, I will tell this story on an extra lean someday. But there was this moment where I was in the grocery store and I was in the, the vegetable section. I was standing for the cabbages and I was listening to some audio that I won't say what it is right now. But it, it led me to one of those moments where I was really thinking about that, the kind of encouragement, these kinds of encouragements. And I started ugly crying in the grocery store, like to the point where other people in the grocery store were like, is he OK? And I tell this story to certain friends and like, oh, I know that moment. Oh, good for you. You know? <laughs> and then I have other friends that tell the story too. And like, are, are you all right? Are you all right? What do I, do I need to call somebody? Do you want me to come over? <laughs> are you okay? Like, no, I'm, it was a, it was a good, ugly crying. It was the ugly crying of transformation and realization. And, you know, and, and it came out of that contact with that dark, that dark place. So. <clears throat> That's a beautiful thing. And, and, and I, and I hope that, um, well, I mean, well, I I feel reasonably confident that this is a good place for for what you shared about that story, and I know for sure extra lean is a totally great place for that. Yeah, because um, it's it's a little extra private, little extra, um, you know, con- shared context of that that thing we create where we go a little more vulnerable than mm-hmm. than on the show. I mean, we we both do our best to try to be vulnerable as two service minded people can be, um, but you know, there's always the service. Um, anyway, so that's, uh, no, I appreciate you sharing that. So that's, so uh, I, I wonder, is there a meta way to tie this into like the practice? Like what did, what did we experience in, in the practice to this? I, I certainly experienced like articulating thoughts that I have about my personal growth that I find challenging to talk about in like, like among people. Well, it's like any kind of writing prompt. Where you go in the void is 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 something that that is that uh, the prompt is there to sort of just to to spark and to to initiate and then you carry it through and wherever you carry it and it's like in trusting yourself, your creative voice, the process of getting it out and all that. That's, I mean, that's the practice, but then in the, under the theme of encouragement, it's really, um, it's really, um, I don't know if it was super hidden, but, but it, it sort of gently hides, um, something that we, we deal with in the creative process as people who, who make things and whatnot, which is our, our self-talk, like what voices are in our head, where do they participate? What, what is recognized as encouragement? What's allowed? What are your habits with this stuff? And so 
we you know opened a potentially innocent seeming door by inviting this practice that have that can go all kinds of different places for me i uh it went more stan bush than i expected and and honestly i'm okay with that but it still feels weird <clears throat> to say that really um you know, finding, finding space for intensely positive things that make you want to jam out on a guitar is like, is that worthwhile? Or should I just get back to work and that kind of thing? It's like, so um, like, what am I reminding myself of here? What did I dig into and discover? And that's what I was hoping to take out of the practice. Mm. And, and it's, I don't think I discovered much other than, Oh, Oh, Oh no, this is deeper than I thought. And now what? <laughs> because encouragement is a great idea. We all need. So yeah. if you can, can give it to yourself, that's a better, I think you have a better foothold to be able, as far as being able to give it to others. And I think to like, we all need to reframe and, and re-engage and connect and, 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 and deal with, you know, stuff that comes to mind when you're navigating a creative process. Um, but of course in other parts of life too. So, mm -hmm. um, it's, you know, I'm reminded of, um, um, Oh, what was the demons project? Um, Lucy Bellwood. Mm -hmm. When she did her hundred yeah. demon, demon, demon dialogues. Yeah. Yeah. Um, really, you know, a cool example of, you know, someone putting that a visualization in, in, you know, Lucy's story for how those voices appear to her and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Really cool project. Yeah. Um, but it reminds me of that kind of thing. How about you? Like, what do you, what do you think of this? Well, this I mean, I, I, I think it's also, it's, it's cool that there's like at least two of us mapping these different sort of countries of what, um, encouragement can look like. Right. So like, I feel like yours was King Theoden, like getting the writers of Rohan ready to go, you know, murder a bunch of orcs. <laughs> <laughs> Even in the movie, King Theoden is um, when he's yelling, bring it down about the elephant. Yeah. I want, I want to pick up my guitar when he's doing it. And it's the way he's just so metal. <laughs> he totally uh, is. Yeah. The writers of Rohan are pretty damn metal. And, and yeah. And I, and I think like I, going to, you know, conversations I had with um, my friends, Zach Gialongo and Ben Hackey is like this idea. They, they talk every once in a while, this playful way of like what, kind of D and D character you would be based on your, your disposition. And, and like, they always come back at me, like I'd be some kind of cleric paladin, right? It's like, I, I want to fight, but I want to do it in this like very like spiritual, thoughtful way. You know, you would be straight on barbarian with barbarian who knows, who knows how to rock out, right? The barbarian who knows how to write like the poetry that gets everybody want to like crush some, some orc skulls. Um, so yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I feel seen. I feel seen. This is fine. <laughs> but no, I I think that that that's that's another part of the, the practices takeaway is like in it's it's a way for us to all explore like the sort of like the the spot of land we're standing on when it comes to what does encouragement mean to show that it can have more nuance and more inflection and more um, expression. Um, it's you can't put that on an Instagram post, unfortunately, that, that subtlety, but it's worth exploring occasionally to re reconnect with what encouragement means so that we don't get 
cynical about it. Um, I think I think that cynicism can partially be from being overtired of, of the idea, but that cynicism can also be a way of protecting ourselves from actually feeling something. Uh, and I think that's what I'm grateful of this time too, is that I felt like I really felt some things. They weren't always comfortable things, and they weren't things that I felt like really comfortable, like opening up my notebook in front of my other eighth grade classmates about. <laughs> but but it it, it was a, a way to like attempt to articulate what. I think encouragement looks like for me, right? Um, which might be helpful to share with friends because then when I do need to pick me up, maybe they can point at those things that I, they, I know works on me. You know, it's like, anyway. Mm, that's how interesting. That is another really useful. It's a, it's a, it's helpful to, to share. It's like in case of, in case of stuckness, emergency break, <laughs> Yes, class. I, I, I have I have one friend who like back when we could gather in place, he would say, all I need is for somebody to put their put their hand on my back and rub my back and say, I, you know, that sucks. I'm like, oh, I could do that, you know, and like and I mean it. Right. That sucks. And they're like, they're like, oh, thank you. OK. You know, and like and I've had conversations with friends. Where I'm like, I just need somebody to look me in the eye and listen to me and look me in the eye and say, you are not bonkers for thinking that. OK, cool. I'm done. I, I feel supported, you know? And so I think like being articulate about what we need from our friends, I think in this case, like when I'm stuck in a project, here's like uh, a list of responses you could give me. <laughs> not, not, not that, not that recipe, recipe-esque, but like a way of thinking like, this is, this is the kind of language that really like works on Jersey, like catnip, you know? And for me, it's like point to the poetic darkness and I'll be like, Oh yeah, I'm back in, you know? Um, <laughs> And for Rob, it's like you just need like one big and then some some language. Well, some uh, uh, oh oh, what was that band? Uh, oh, there was a Norwegian band, and it was all like barbarian music. I used to listen to in the '90s. I can't remember their name, but mm. I don't know how old is Ensiferum. I mean, there's, and I'm just totally, <laughs> I don't know, totally guessing. Um, yeah, I mean, my playlist is full of that stuff. So you got yeah. um. I mean, seriously, if you can evoke anything either visually, audibly, or spoken, where it is like the cover of a Mona Marth's album, Twilight of the Thunder God, where the where Thor is grabbing a dragon um, by the tongue, right? Was, was it Yomungundr, right? He's grabbing Yomungundr by the tongue, and he's got his hammer back, and it may be his last swing. Call that out, and I will get up and fight with you. We'll get stuff done. Doesn't yeah. matter. Drawing, uh, whatever. I mean, with with you together. So I'm not going to fight you. Chris has found a perfect way to encapsulate what we're talking about here is the message requires some packaging design for effective delivery. That's a great way of saying <laughs> it. That's so yeah. good. That's exactly right. We're saying the same thing, but the different packages appeal to us in different ways. That's why mm-hmm. movies have different posters, albums have different covers, products have different box art. Oh, my gosh. Okay. I am glad we did this. Uh, so much, yeah. Can, can we think about what we're going to do next? So while we were talking, I was like reviewing our past episodes and trying to figure out the pattern we've been following because we seem to have discovered like four or more buckets of like, like physical activity, something to do with sound, something to do with drawing, something to do with writing. Um, and it looks like, like recently we were doing sound and then before that we did uh, stretching, and doodling characters, color palettes, and uh, drawing a line to visualize your day. 
What is standing out to you as far as those buckets go, Rob? Well, one of the things we, we promise in the intro is things related to our business. Mm. So it's been a while. So yes, like yeah. last time we, we had one that, that just didn't go well. Yeah. Uh, because we were, you know, looking at ways to improve our presence, um, how we present products wherever they are, right? Mm. What if this is well, just jamming food for thought, right? Um, what if we went the inspiration route instead, right? So let's say we, what, this is a little tough because for, it would, it would have, it would, this is, it'd be a practice that would build on itself in, you know, a couple minutes at a time where first you would, you would need to gather, um, inspiration, um, works that are related to the kind of things that you make, but it's not, it's not your works. It's works that other people make, but then you would pick things that inspire you about that thing those things, whatever. So you could get a list of comics or a list of video games or a list of um, furniture, what have you. And, and then like, once you have accumulated, accumulated enough, what's enough, like five to 10, three to 10. Right. Um, so if, if those examples, and then what about those examples stand out to you as the um, like arresting important worthwhile, exciting, delightful thing. Like you care about it. Right. So there so you go. So in two weeks we would show up with a show. Find it and name it. A show and tell in two weeks. Yeah. yeah. A show and tell of things that inspire us and, and be able to point to one reason why. The language I use in my classroom is you got to point to one thing and say, I need evidence. I, I will, just because it's not an answer, you got to point at one piece of evidence that says this is why that thing is meaningful or why you feel what you feel about it. Yeah, All right. Boba Fett is cool. Okay, why? Because he kills everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. Okay. That almost is a why. It's okay. I'm sorry. I, I couldn't resist. Uh, yeah, no, that, it's that, good. Yeah, it's Boba Fett's a classic. Uh, yeah, he's cool because he's beloved. <laughs> he actually but is often just because. Yeah, yeah. He, yes, but often just because he actually is quite cool. Just like Snake Eyes and GI Joe is cool. Just like mm. like name any silent and deadly character, they're always very cool. Um, <laughs> Boba Fett because <laughs> helmet, yes. Yeah, uh, in the chat. That's great. All right. Uh, so, okay. I think we've got uh, something. I think this is a good one. So let's let's go ahead and in two all weeks right. talk about something that is meaningful to us and inspiring to us, and that will help us collect language for potentially like like part of our business pitch for ourselves. Um, maybe. No, I love it. I, I'm mm -hmm. just now I'm starting to think about how I'm going to go about it because because mm -hmm. part of me was like, all right, what if I found inspirational thing, then reacted and then found it and reacted. And how would that work? How many of those practices would I ha would happen? I don't know. Cause I have a thing where like, what if I gather too much and then I don't react to them. So I better, mm. better balance it out. Mm. That's what I was just thinking. Planning right. ahead. Thinking tactically. All right. Sounds good. Well, thank you, Rob. Thank you, Jersey. And I think that means that we are at the end of this episode. So thanks to everybody who's been hanging out and chatting with us, uh, Chris and Rachel and uh, everybody else. And thanks thanks to you know people for downloading, watching, and listening. 
and the people who interact with us on the Lean Into Art Discord. We record this show weekly on Thursdays, and we stream it live all over the place, and then we collect it as a podcast at leanintoart.com. Actually, I should say, we stream it live at leanintoart.com slash live. That's the canonical place to go if you want to find out wh- when it's streaming. It's embedded there. Then you can follow it on whatever trail you want if you want to watch it on YouTube or Twitch or whatever. Okay, so leanintoart.com slash live. We collect it as a podcast at leanintoart.com and patreon.com slash leanintoart. Until next time, I have been Jersey Drozd of leanintoart.com and Jersey Drozd on Instagram. And I've been Rob Stenzinger, also of leanintoart.com, and you can find me at Instagram as Rob Stenzinger. Okay, bye. Whoops, wrong one. This one. Show notes for this episode can be found at leanintoart.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at the user leanintoart, and you can reach us via email at leanintoart at gmail.com. And remember, leaners aren't wieners. Thanks for listening.